Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. All right, you are listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 56. Just a reminder, you can find my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or at callthatgirl.podbean.com. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash callthatgirl. Before we get on with our interview this week with our guest, I'm going to do a quick thank you to our sponsor, App River. They are web and email specialists. The things I love about them, they're open 24 hours a day. You can actually have a sales rep. You can have a technician. They don't mesh together. They have um, exchange uh, teams and uh, everything you need to have professional support for your Office 365 products. I highly recommend them. You can email my rep, Steve Harris at sharris at appriver.com. All right, now I've promised you all I would start looking for some new guests because it's been kind of dry with just me telling my stories. And I was like, I need to up the game a little bit. I need to start talking to people outside of the break-fix world. And so the past couple months I've been trying to find people. And one day I was out on Twitter and I was just searching for Exchange and Office 365 stuff. And I came across this fella that is on the show today named Paul Cunningham. And... um, I tell you, I spent quite a bit of time looking up his online uh, portfolio of what he's been doing. He's kind of like me. He writes books. He does forums. He's a podcaster. And I was like, and he's doing the Office 365 at a level that I'm not at. And I don't know if I ever want to be at that level. So it's like, well, he's a perfect guest. So with that, welcome, Paul, to the show. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. Great to talk to you. Yeah. So before we get started, you have a little bio here. Um, Paul is an independent consultant like me, and he's a writer and a trainer who specializes in Exchange Server, Office 365. He's a Microsoft MVP, which I'm not an MVP, so don't feel like you have to be one. Um, Right, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) I'll never be an MVP, I'll tell you that. They don't like me. (laughs) He's an MVP for Office Servers and Services, author and co-author of several books, about Exchange and Office 365 and also creates training courses for Pluralsight and he runs exchangeserverpro.com and the new practical365.com site. That's it. That's me. That's a lot. I know. Yeah. I should have put some commas in there for you. That's okay. I talk fast. (laughs) (laughs) My people will get it. And plus everything I talked about will be in the notes. So uh, go hit the callthatgirl.podbean.com site and click on all the links at the end for all of Paul's info. Oh, Paul, where do we even start with you? First of all, maybe start by telling us a little bit about you and your blog and all the podcasting and stuff. There's so much. I don't know where to start. Um, yeah, I do. Um, I do a few things these days. Um, so I am a, um, like you say, an independent consultant. I'm here in um, Brisbane, Australia. Um, I, I started in IT probably, I actually was in 1999. Um, yeah. so I sort of slid on in there during that whole Y2K, mm-hmm. uh, thing where, uh, everybody was hiring and, um, I just come out of a, um, we just shut down a small business before that, which was, um, uh, I used to be in the amusement machine business running a, uh, nice. like a pinball, pinball arcade and the old Daytona driving machines and things like that. So. 
um, we uh, we got disrupted by the uh, the PlayStation and all the cheap consoles and things. So we got out of that industry, and I moved into IT. And you know, what is it now? Sixteen years or more later, uh, here I am. So um, I've mostly stayed here in Brisbane. I, I did a little um, uh, spent a little time in Sydney working down there, but mostly here in Brisbane, and and just uh, jumped around from. Um, outsourcing companies and MSPs, uh, small consulting firms, spent a little bit of time in, you know, a couple of big, um, larger sort of global organisations and a few different industries, local government and things. Um, so, and a few years ago, I, I was, um, I think it was during the, uh, the GFC, um, sort of around that 2008 uh, period, I, I started um, my first blog, which is exchangeserverpro.com, and I just started writing um you know, cases that I came across in the field, quick fixes, all that sort of thing. And what year was that? Uh, around 2008, or maybe okay. a little before. Yeah, I think I was I was dabbling with some stuff probably before that, but I think Exchange Server Pro started around 2008. Yeah, I think that was the year a lot of people broke out. Honestly. Yeah, it was. Well, it was a good period for Exchange. I, I just I, I lucked into a, a, a job with a, a small company and. Um, the uh, the previous exchange specialist was leaving. He was he was heading for London, and uh, the the manager said, "You know, would you like to be our new exchange guy?" And um, <laughs> I said, "Sure, why not? I'll give it a go." And uh, here I am. So um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good fun. I've um, uh, like I said, I've worked you know mostly as an office uh, sorry exchange specialist in all these different roles, and and more recently um, working in the Office three sixty five space. So. Um, I've been an MVP since 2012. That was when I received the first award and nice. uh, just got renewed for the fifth year uh, a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Uh, I've been banned from the Microsoft forums. Really? The yeah. TechNet forums? Oh. No, oh. not TechNet. Um, from the community forums where people go and Google and look for help. Right. I kind of joke about it because I didn't do anything wrong. I think one of the moderators saw who I was and they were like, get her out of here. <laughs> so first day I was banned. <laughs> yeah. <pretty> long. <laughs> wow. That's brutal. I, um, yeah, I venture in there every now and then it's an interesting space. All the Microsoft communities. Yeah. There's a lot. Uh... I think business was slow and I was like, well, why don't I go try to help in the forums? <laughs> didn't work. That's okay. Crazy. crazy. Uh, yeah. So I see the MVP thing is kind of important, but uh, I, I've never really dabbled into figuring out how to even get one. So I don't do that. Oh, uh, I, I can, there's no, there's a little bit of secret sauce involved. Like they, they don't tell you exactly how to be an MVP. It's more mm. of a, um, uh, you know, if, uh, I would say that anyone who is uh, actively contributing to the community, like over a long period of time and who gets noticed um, could submit themselves or someone will submit them and, um, rumor has it maybe on your second or third submission, it usually takes two or three goes before you get accepted. Oh, wow. Um, but there's a lot of other factors about geographic regions, how many they have, whether you're working in a space that's a priority for Microsoft and, yeah. um, things like that. The, the program has changed a lot just in the five years that I've been in it. So it's hard yeah. to say, you know, exactly how you would get in these days or how you'd stay in at this point. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting little insider program. Yeah, I see a lot of those folks on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, everyone just tries to be active. Um, Twitter is one of the ways we all hang out and keep up with each other. And the people in my circle don't. 
Uh, Isn't that funny? No, I don't really see a lot of it. I feel like a lone tweeter. <laughs> so I've been trying to engage with other people, but I just can't keep up because the reason why I had John Paul is because mm. my listeners are generally break fix people slash yep. MSP. And the to hear the word enterprise and all that stuff is not really what we do a lot of. Uh, but you know, and I do get a lot of listeners that are like random people like yourself that I get emails from. Mm. Like I pick up some stuff for you, Mia. Thanks, and it's funny, whatever. But uh, so I'm trying to expand the audience a little bit and uh, you know learn a little bit more about your life because you're an independent consultant. So yeah. you come from the, you know, you're like us. You work for yourself, and most of us do. Yeah, today I work for myself. I have for about the last year. <laughs> nice. Um, and um, you know, it's a. It is what it is. I mean, it, it, Brisbane's an interesting town. There's there's some opportunities here to, to work for other companies, but um, not not opportunities at the moment that I, I really want to pursue. This works better for me in terms of type of work I can do, the customers I can work with around the world, uh, just work-life balance, family time, all that sort of thing. Nice. Uh, is that your office? This is my office, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're on camera, you can see he's got an office like mine in the big room at home. No, uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, oh, it's good enough. Yeah, nice. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's enterprise. Enterprise is just a, it's just the same problems at a different scale uh, and a slightly different pace. Um, no, whereas- that's something I want to do. I've 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 worked in a uh, a few large companies though, like mm-hmm. Honeywell, where yep. in a very small, um, uh, before Active Directory was it. Uh, uh, NT4 or NT4. The, I say Novell or something. I well, no, I worked on a Novell once too, but I never did the exchange. I'm sorry like, to hear that. I know. That was back in college. But uh, <laughs> well, before that was Vax, okay? I had that before that. <laughs> that was AS400 stuff. Um, I think that, uh, um, oh, I totally lost my train of thought now. Enterprise. Oh yeah. Well, I've always done light versions of exchange. I'm talking administrative on the top level. Like mm-hmm. when, 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 uh, when I joined a team, they would say, well, you can play with the buttons, Lisa, but I never got to go deep in. So yeah. to me, I've always been a help desk person. Mm-hmm. So I like doing that stuff, but you do more like hardcore in the server and you don't do the light stuff maybe. Right. Like- um, well, what I found was that as a, um, uh, what they would tag as a messaging specialist in a large company. Uh, it was kind of um, a role that I'd nicknamed senior outlook engineer because okay. you seem to be responsible for everything from the outlook client all the way through to this, you know, the back end storage and all that sort of thing and everything in between, Yeah, which was actually one of the good things about it. I mean, you think about everything involved in email, you know, firewalls, certificates, servers, storage, hardware, virtualization, uh, a lot of security concerns, you know, mobile devices and everything right down to the client level. Um, it sort of exposes you to quite a lot. So even though you're kind of pigeonholed into a specialty like messaging, you, you certainly get to experience a lot of um, uh, the uh, links in between. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I spent a lot of time deploying and designing and architecting and fixing and mm-hmm from disasters and you know all sorts of things for um, those customers not so much these days um, it's um, 
you know, there's obviously a shift towards more cloud services and Office 365. So mm-hmm. spend less time tinkering with servers and more time sort of tinkering with clouds and, and things like that as well, uh, which is um, refreshing in some ways. Yeah. Oh, relieving. yeah. Totally changed. <laughs> I, and you know what, Paul, I remember back in the day at one of my jobs, it was called the messaging team. Mm. The, the whole network guys that did the email side, because then there was network server guys that did other side. So yep. I do remember that. That was like, and then eventually they started calling it unified communications and they tossed link and Skype in there with them as well. Uh, well, I'm sure those companies are now moving to the cloud. Uh, but so is it just you or do you have uh, partners or do you uh, use referral partners for overload work? Uh, it's, it's, um, yeah, so I'm solo. Uh, I am my only, um, you know, employee and all that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just refer work out if I can't handle it, uh, gotcha. conflict or, you know, geographic problem. Um, I'll just refer that out. There's, um, in amongst the MVP team, uh, sorry, community, there's plenty of people I can, um, uh, refer work out to there. A lot of them are independent consultants or consultants for small companies of their own. Okay, I want to get in that team now. <laughs> no, no, that sounded good. Well, actually, Paul, what's well, funny and, is... And everyone's a specialist at something too. It's funny, like everyone's, uh, we're all, um, we're not exchange server MVPs anymore. We're office servers and services, which is uh, yeah, sort of moved the, the label away from being product specific. Um, but everyone's a special specialist in some ways. Some guys are, you know, really good at um, the compliance stuff. Some guys are public folder gurus. Some guys are... Yeah. Uh, really good at storage and you know just uh um you know michael van horenbeek is the, the the guy you go to for every hybrid question and um it's uh, it's a good pool of talent and, and knowledge to be able to draw from and, and refer to yeah i need to get in that group we'll work on that off off camera <laughs> <laughs> How did you start when you, I know you were in the, um, you know, you worked for corporations, you went on your mm-hmm. own, but now you're independent. So how do you get work? How do you market your business? Uh, well, today they, they, they come to me, um, customers come to me and um, that's, that's really a result of, of running the website mm-hmm. uh, exchange server pro for, for that many years. Um, when I was um working for companies as a full-time employee, I had to just simply refer the work away. Yeah. Um, at times when I've been working for consulting companies, I, may, I was able to say, yes, um, we can help you. You know, the, the consulting company can help you. Um, and since I've been independent, I can say, yes, I can help you. Um, so, you know, it's just, um, uh, it's just a case that currently most of the work comes to me. And um, I just try yes and balance. No. Sorry? You say yes or no. <laughs> I say, well, I say yes or I say sorry and I refer them away, yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and you know what it's like. Not every lead is a good lead. Some people are just not really, they don't know what they're after or um, there seems to be a, a weird thing where people try to stay anonymous while they're asking you to help, which is kind of odd. Um, I would have thought you'd tell me more about your business and let me know who you are. Uh, so I can actually respond, but, um, uh, you know, and, and I just try and strike a balance now between, you know, that consulting work, it keeps me in the game, uh, keeps me up to date, um, and, you know, keep helping people out and, and then balance that with, um, uh, you know, some other recurring income as well, which is my books and my involvement with Plural Site for creating training courses. Nice. 
Yeah, I didn't check out the plural one. I'm sorry about that. I didn't catch yes, it. No <laughs> Definitely will. I just created a, my um, Outlook training videos. Mm-hmm. I made uh, five parts to them. Basics, advanced, super advanced, exchange, and email management tips. Yep. Ten of them. So it took me a long time. But I finally got them done. Yeah, videos... Um... <laughs> Uh, lengthy. Uh, the courses um, that I'm making for plural side are sort of in the three or four hour range, and and um, there's probably thirty or forty hours work. Uh, yeah, do that sort of a ten to one ratio. So you try and fit that into the rest of your life and your day. So it does take a few months to create even a small course. Um, sometimes. But you, you, you and your audience should definitely check it out. I'll give you the plural site yeah. pitch. It's, uh, Go ahead. <laughs> tell you obviously. Um, it's, um, uh, so all of their author pool that creates courses are all people like you and me, uh, everyone's, you know, expert in their field and things like that. And I have always had a plural site subscription even before I became an author because, you know, yeah, they have courses on the latest stuff. Like if you, you know, server 2016 is about to drop, they will have courses flying out the door for 2016. It's really good for that what they call just in time learning where you, you need to know something and maybe watch 30 minutes of, um, of video on a new topic that's new to you and see it in action before you go out to the customer. Yeah. Um, I'm just so, checking yeah. it out right now. Yeah, it's a good investment. Yeah. You know, I've been seeing a few of these out there too. So this is where you put out the videos and sell them on there for other techs to buy them. They have a subscription. Okay. Yeah. They, they charge a subscription. So whatever it is per month, if you did that, plus like a Safari books, you'd probably have all the the video and book references you'd ever need for your job uh, yeah. all year round. I'll tell you that my listeners all started out coming from my ebook sales. Yeah. And that came from, we were talking about earlier, uh, Technible. Yep. I always try to promote Technible when I can because they're, that website, uh, Bryce Whitty owns, is one of the um, – the first websites I found online that made me feel comfortable talking about my tech business mm. because my neighbor down the street didn't like me. So I found Technable. I was like, Oh my God, there's like thousands of me on there and we all talk openly. So yeah. The listeners, uh, Paul knows Bryce. So they met at a thing, what a year ago. <laughs> yeah. We met at a conference last year. We just happened to bump into each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell, I tell you that the, the, the technical, the technical group helped me sell my books and through the years of me talking about them and doing stuff and then mm. get the listeners through the, through that. So it, uh, these folks will like learning this, I think, because there's so many of these other sites and plus your, your site alone, the exchange server or exchange server pro, man, that's just a lot of stuff on there, Paul. <laughs> there is like, yeah, I've been writing good. it for nearly eight or 10 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, nice. there's um, over there's over a thousand articles on there now. Um, oh, that's nice. so I've been busy, yeah. And well, once so, this show gets out, I'm gonna push this site with my podcast show because I really, th- I mean, it's just good, easy to read information too, Paul. It's it's I try, not over technical. I try to write it that way, yeah. I yeah, it's it like Ivan, your last blog, a look at the Office 365 support and recovery assistant. I mean, that's not a too technical one for me to go and to be interested in a lot of times these exchange sites have things that are way outside my interest, you know, cause it yep. can be very technical. And that's why I think scares some people off is they don't know what those, you know, terms mean. So they don't want to do it. And uh, the migration work took me a long time to get to know myself. 
Mm. Migrations are um, how I sort of uh, established my name. Um, yeah. so I, I wrote a migration guide for Exchange 2010 and that was probably how I, um, I, you know, I'd already been blogging at that point for a few years, but that would have been the first, um, uh, I don't know what you would say, thing I became known for, you know, if yeah. you know what I mean. So um, probably... 50% of the customers that I, I deal with, it's a migration situation, whether they're just upgrading their server or, you know, upgrading, moving to the cloud or something like that. Um, my mailboxes? Smallest one I've done is, you know, 10. Uh, largest one I've done is thousands. I mean, it, it's a, um, <laughs> yeah. And like I was saying earlier, I mean, enterprise is just the same problem at a different scale and, and um, slightly different pace. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the small business customers, you're dealing directly with the decision maker. They're happy to take your advice and just really all they're interested in is how much it's going to cost me and when's it going to be done. Yeah. Uh, when you start dealing with the larger organizations, you may not be dealing with the person who, you know, signs the purchase order. Um, they'll have other concerns, business stakeholders who are concerned about when's this going to happen, what impact it's going to have, have you thought about this, have you thought about that? And there's a little bit more sort of that political finessing and, and um human side of things to get through. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there's nothing about a small business that doesn't translate to an enterprise. You just got to approach it a little bit more patience and communication and, and, uh, and things like that. But mostly, I mean, Office 365 is Office 365. It's not like you're deploying or migrating them to a different version of Office 365 no. just because of their size. It's just, it's literally the same service, whether it's for 10 people or, yeah. uh, or a thousand. But for me, Paul, after 20, I start to get into not comfortable land because mm. I started doing my migrations by hand and I've always done them by hand. But just recently in the past year, I've been adding migration whiz and uh, working with App Rivers team to get me comfortable so I can start taking on bigger jobs. Well, yep. the problem I found is I don't know things like shortcuts like PowerShell. I don't know PowerShell, so I have a tech now who's my PowerShell tech to go in and, and get things done fast. Yep. So that's where I kind of was like, well, guess what? I can still do the big jobs. I just don't do all the work. <laughs> well, the tooling is really important. And um, I don't I don't have a commercial relationship with MigrationWiz, but I think it's a really good tool. Yeah. Uh, every time I've used it, it's worked, um, you know, nearly perfectly. And it's um, – uh, it's a good example of, of standardizing your own sort of like approach on a tool. Um, so migration whiz can handle so many different scenarios, but then so can like another tool. And so, you know, you've got the exchange native tools as well. Uh, but I know consultants and businesses who, who go in for, you know, 100% of engagements, they are, they use migration whiz. Um, and that's all they do. And if the, if the project, you know, if the customer, oh, I don't want to pay for the migration with licenses or, or whatever, it's just like, well, we can't help you. That's how we do it. Um, and they know that the reason they standardize on that is because they understand it. They're familiar with it. They know what it's going to cost. Yeah. They know they're going to get the support they need and all that sort of thing. And in terms of their efficiency and their ability to turn over jobs and, you know, keep their margins healthy and things like that, that's more important than doing a, custom migration solution for every different customer out there. It just, just eats up time and you don't get anything, you know, valuable in terms of your own, um, you know, tooling, extra scripts that you use on customer A, you can use it on customer B. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, that's the word script. See, I don't do that either. I, I just do everything by hand and I got to get my mentality changed, Paul, because, well, the thing is, I'm kind of happy where I'm at. I, yeah. I kind of like my five to 10 people migrations. It's a few thousand bucks. I get them yeah. done. And I, I just, I'm not sure I'm that kind of tech that wants to do big scale. So maybe I never will. Well, uh, Scripting and automation are about consistency, not so much scale. Um, I um, So back when I first became, you know, the exchange specialist at that company I was working at, uh, I did everything by hand and stuck with it for quite some time um, and created a few little scripts here and there, but nothing real major. And um, in hindsight, I, we probably could have either A, done the job a little bit uh, lower cost for the customer or B, just healthier margin, you know, for the business and not sort of run so close to the edge. But when I um, started working uh, on a dedicated messaging team for a global organization, you, there's no choice. You have to learn PowerShell because there's no other way to manage something at that scale. Yeah. Uh, but everything I learned in that environment, I've used on every size customer ever since, whether they're big or small. And it's common though. And once you learn the shortcuts, why do it the long way? <laughs> and it's not, it's not even, like I said, it's not even about um, scale at that point. It's more about, yeah, like consistency, um, knowing that every time you do task X, it's going to follow the same sort of scripted process and give you a result at the end that you can, um, that you can work with. And there is that initial learning sort of curve with PowerShell. Um, the best book I've ever read is, is um, by Don Jones. It's called Learn PowerShell in a Month of Lunches. Um, and literally, you spend a month, you spend your lunch break reading the book and doing an exercise. Oh. And, and the, the thing about that book is it's, it, it's, it's PowerShell. It's, it's plain PowerShell. It's not teaching you PowerShell for Exchange. It's not teaching you PowerShell for um, you know, Office 365 or Azure or anything like that. It is pure PowerShell on your desktop, managing basic Windows stuff and just getting all those PowerShell concepts under your belt and a month, you know, a month into it and, you know, you've invested a month of your lunches and now you have the fundamentals down pat. And what you realize from there is the, the same PowerShell you learned for the windows operating system is the exact same PowerShell for exchange or oh, Skype. Or <laughs> the only thing that changes is the commands. Um, all the other stuff like how to write scripts, script logic, you know, loops and things like that. Is, is all exactly the same and even how you do um, uh, command discovery. So one of the things you learn early on in PowerShell, if you learn it, is not so much how to, how to remember exactly how to run a particular command, it's how to actually discover what you should be running, how to find commands, how to find their parameters, how to find their correct usage and, and things like that. And, we, and it's, like a, it's like a self-teaching language. Uh, and once you get that under control, there's really nothing in PowerShell you can't do for any products. Oh, well, I'll put a link to that book in there. I, mean, I, I probably won't read it, of course, but uh, a lot of these other folks might in a month. I, I, tell you one thing, <laughs> I tell you one thing I love about the techs is that they are so hungry for knowledge. Let me yep. do. But I'm yep. talking about all techs. It's like they figure something out. They want to go learn it and they will go buy it. And I love that about our industry. It's it's not when not many techs talk about money. They talk about the knowledge. And I like mm. that. Well, everyone wants to feel confident, you know, walking into the job that they know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, speaking of that stuff, so now I know that your your website's international. So when you are uh, 
you don't market, but do you get a lot of calls from the U.S. and from other countries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say most of the customers I've dealt with um, as an independent have been in, have been in the U.S. or Europe or the pardon me, the U.K. Um, yeah, strangely, not that many local customers. I have a few. Um, some I can actually, you know, actually go and see locally. But um, why would you? <laughs> I'm like, um, I don't want to go meet anybody. But yeah, most of it's remote work. Um, for, um, <laughs> and uh, the time zones work out all right. We can have a meeting, and you know, in the, at the start or the end of my day, um, which overlaps with the start or the end of their day. And if there's out of hours work that they need done, it's it's just the middle of the day for me. It's, um, yeah. uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of my 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 tech I have in the Philippines. Mm. He is we're kind of at that perfect little time where he goes to bed. And I'm getting up and yep. Skype a little bit, yeah. Do a little handover, yeah. Yeah, well, this is nice. I've been training him on some Outlook detail work. He's a he's a former military guy living down there, and mm. his wife. And I'm like, he is so techy. I love it, but I don't want to do Outlook expert work because honestly, Paul, I don't think I can have an apprentice to do my stuff. But to learn custom forms with some yep. little visual basic on the back end, sure. <laughs> that guy's love it. Yeah. yeah, so if you need anybody, let me know. He's really good. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I have a few more questions. Uh, I'm really intrigued now that I know a little bit more. So do you sell, like, projects by the hour? Do you just give a proposal? Do you have retainer clients? Tell us about that stuff. Um, I don't have any retainer clients. I'm not really sure I want any retainer yeah. clients. Actually, no, I, I lie. I have one retainer client. Mm. And that's my wife's business. Oh, uh, cute. <laughs> I take care of them. Um, but um, as, a, as an independent, I always felt vulnerable to um, uh, having customers on, you know, retainer who then have an expectation about speed of support you know, hours of the day and things like that. And, you know, if you have two competing requests, how do you balance that out? At some point you're going to say no to somebody who's expecting a yes. Um, and also because it's the type of work, I don't really want them calling me for, to be honest. I don't, I don't want 10 PM calls about servers falling over. Yeah. Um, I'd rather their IT people handle that. I'd rather they contact me, you know, to help them with more complex architectural type scenarios or migration scenarios um, and things I, I, um, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't like doing the all nighters recovering servers and, um, it's not particularly rewarding work anyway. And it's one of the reasons I'm such a fan of cloud services. Um, <laughs> no one rings you at two in the morning and uh -uh. says, yeah, it just, <laughs> it, it doesn't happen. So, um, I yeah, that. <laughs> but uh, you know, when they do call, it's either a short engagement, you know, we've got this problem. Can you just come in and, and do a few hours? Um, or, um, you know, we have a project in mind and you go and scope it out and do a proposal. Nice. So you're project oriented, get them, get the project, get the scope, get the proposal in the, what is it? Re request for proposal, the RFP, whatever. So you're doing bigger scale. I like that. Yeah, well, you've got to at least get the financials and the mm -hmm. commercial stuff sorted out. It doesn't have to be a super detailed proposal, um, just so that there's like a clear scope. Um, the old scope creep problem has always been there with um, in the past. You just it's it's amazing what a, a you know good clear upfront proposal can can help smooth out down the line when um, uh, questions of what's in and out of scope come up. 
Um, oh yeah, that's the problem. I think what you do is you learn from your first bad few proposals mm. that you you underbid yourself, you under under did the scope of work wrong, and the first uh, migration I did to Office three sixty five, Paul, mm. the owner had a virus on his computer that actually came from the router, which I've hardly ever seen in my life. So I ended up troubleshoot at ten o'clock at night. Mm. Why eighteen gigs one cross down? And this, the owner was so mad at me that I was like fighting the virus and trying to do the migration. And yeah. I was like, no more of that. That was the first time I learned that lesson. <laughs> and yeah, it was a Windows XP computer too, by the way, back in the day. Shocking. <laughs> yeah. Shocking, yeah. I, I think I learned from my failures. That makes me more successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely... Um... Every project should teach you something, whether it's, you know, you improve your technical stuff or you improve your business stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, if everything is coming out exactly the same and you're not learning anything, well, it's probably time to push into a new area or a new level. That's right. And, um, yeah, just keep growing. Well, if you don't grow, I mean, it's – I don't know how it is for you guys there in, in the States, but the the, um, the small-time MSP – sorry, small-scale, not small-time, small-scale MSP market in um, – this town has been under quite a lot of pressure. Really? Uh, yeah. So there's um, uh, a lot of competition. Um, not, you know, businesses are fairly tight. Obviously we've had economic issues in this country and in particular this town in the last few years. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it's, Australia is a little bit behind uh, America and Europe in terms of cloud service uptake. Mm-hmm. But when the Office 365 data centers opened in Australia, um, it was like, um, you know. Floodgates? Everybody was, yeah, it was like, it was almost like that was what they were waiting for, just local data centers um, wow. and the confidence to have their data sort of on, on this continent. And a few years of, you know, the cloud hadn't caused America to burn down, so maybe it's time for us to go along as well. Um, you know, we lag behind and things like bandwidth and and. Um, capacity that you really need, but it's, it's really taken off and, and any of the MSPs who haven't had a, the foresight to sort of plan for that and adjust their business model, um, they are um, feeling the pressure. Uh, there's been a lot of consolidation, uh, closure and all that sort of thing as well. But there's also right now that mix between uh, like a company, of, let's say 20 people, mm. they have an IT budget and they're going, well... Maybe we could skim off some dollars and go with the, um, the less experienced new person that's yeah. you know swearing they can do stuff, and that person because we've all learned, you know, the they they have their learning curve. Mm. And one thing I've learned is that techs do often because they're learning, they will not bill for their mess ups. But then that comes with problems. But everybody has to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, throwing in free mistakes is an this. A- fast way to go broke um yeah because uh you know there's there's mistakes from lack of research and then there's mistakes from well we didn't know that about your environment um, that's, that's my yeah. that's mine paul is i didn't know that was going to happen because that shouldn't have happened yeah no. and and <laughs> a little a little proposal line that says you know time spent investigating existing issues is as a yeah it can be the difference between a loss making engagement and the profit making engagement outside the scope stuff yeah but if you're competing on price like if you're getting beaten on price um i hate to say it like 
anyone listening, you're doing it wrong. I mean, the, 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 the business owners that I deal with, um, yes, all business owners are frugal, but they also recognize um, the value of uh, people who are familiar with their business. And so really in terms of like your technical ability, you know, we're all basically the same. Um, none of us are special. Um, it's like really any profession. You can go and find another person who can do that job. But can you find the person who understands, you know, the business owner thinking, can I find someone who really understands my business, how we operate, what we need, what's our priorities, you know, where we're willing to invest, where we're not willing to invest and steer us towards good decisions, steer us away from bad decisions. And those, that's the value that you can bring that will keep a customer for the long term. I like um, that, Paul, because that also keeps referrals in that industry stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And industry specialization is actually really important. Um, so if you if you are just a person in a geographic region offering technical services, that's you, you know you you're competing on that that basis. Um, but if you're a specialist in um, you know IT for lawyers or IT for accountants or IT yeah. for retail operators you've got a lot more you bring to the table in terms of understanding their business, their business practices. And, and oh, yeah. yeah, you're not trying to, um, HIPAA, medical, dental, you know, financials, lawyers. I mean, if you think of industry, that's, that is a huge tip from you for people listening. Cause I, I've been doing that myself, Paul, mm. I hate to say it. Lawyers love call that girl because I have retainer words and I have schedules and I, and I, they're my favorites and they, I hate to say it. They have no problem saying, Oh, how much is your ticket? 500. Let's get one. You know, they love the support. Well, you know what lawyers charge that's so, so Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> but to me, so I actually just today had a meeting with a, a, a court uh, discovery company mm. to work with them to deal with uh, email forensics and, yep. and uh, IT support for lawyers. I was like, I need to niche into something I know that's going to work. So just like you are talking about for MSP guys, find the niche. That makes a lot of sense. Or find the industry. I like that. Yeah. Well, you you can bring technical specialties and apply them to an industry. So what's, what's, you know, what a, uh, what do lawyers care about? So they can get access to the documents they need quickly. Yeah. They just Uh, don't want email down. They can, yeah, that everything's going to work when they need it to that. Um, they can securely, you know, transfer information between point A and point B. Um, you know, when you understand all those pain points and you can speak directly to them. Um, yeah. You, I mean, calling yourself a ransomware expert is one thing, but, you know, being able to say to lawyers, you've got a large treasure trove of documents sitting on your file shares. I can help you A, protect them, B, be ready to recover yeah. them when you need to. And you can tell them, you can you can help guide them towards you know uh, the best solutions that will you know keep them out of trouble basically. Yeah, well, I like that because in our industry sometimes um, niching is, is a better solution than trying to market to the world. I like. Oh, that. for sure, absolutely. Yeah, you can't be everything to everyone. No, I've I've been doing it though, and here's the thing: is down in Australia, if you go to Google and type in Outlook Expert, I should be number one there. That's good. I do get some Australian calls, but not many. I get more from the UK and uh, the European areas. Time but, zones are a little bit more. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. 
But I'm yeah. finding that, you know, just because I rank high in Google everywhere and I'm finding that these jobs I'm taking on are really scattered. Mm. It's for, I mean, I'm still, I still know all the, I call the big nine applications with Outlook, but I'm starting to find that I'm getting spread too thin with all this Microsoft problems where mm. I'm like, niching into an industry sounds really good to me right now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't, I don't know. And, and today in particular, pardon me, the, um, the, the breadth, like the breadth of services in the cloud, pardon me, the, um, you know, Office 365 is, is not a thing. Like it's, it's a collection of, of a massive number of services that are all integrated. And while it's important to sort of understand where they integrate and what they can do, it's, it's um, challenging to be across it all. Mm. So let's talk uh, about your next favorite topic, SharePoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew that was my surprise. I didn't put in the notes for you. You know what? I, I, uh, I years ago back in SharePoint, like 2000, Seven. Three? Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried. I really tried. I gave SharePoint a go and um, it's, it's a, it's, it never really got past being a big complex server product that you need to install. And a few years ago I was working again as a, like a messaging specialist and we brought in a SharePoint consultant, like a specialist. We deployed a SharePoint farm and I just went, that's nuts. I don't even want to know half of that stuff. Like it's just insane. Like, and no, no disrespect to SharePoint experts because they actually bring a lot of value to the table because SharePoint properly implemented is like the mid, you know, it's the heart of a lot of collaboration and business productivity. But I'm so glad that Office 365 has SharePoint online because that's something I'm willing to learn is you take away all the complex infrastructure stuff and trying to integrate it with all the rest of your environment and just apply, you know, SharePoint, the value of SharePoint and what it can actually do in terms of features. Do you uh, do that for your clients when you sell them? Do you do like the setup and, and and configuring, administration, all that, and then training? I try and hand over. Like I try and get them there and then hand over. It's it's good to have customers who have their own IT person who can mm-hmm. sort of drive the ship and maybe just call you for repairs. Um, yep. So and and SharePoint's um, it's not the lowest hanging fruit. Like email is is the low hanging fruit in terms of cloud migration. It's easy to get email into the cloud. Yeah. It works, you know, 99% of it is exactly the same. You just got to think about a little bit of latency and a few other little quirks and characteristics that are different than having and running your own server. Um, but once you've done that, the next phase, and this is where you can um, be of more value to a customer than, mm-hmm. than just being a migration expert, is helping them with the adoption. Um, so, yeah, you've got your email on the cloud, but what's next? Um, you know, SharePoint Online is a good example because you can say, oh, well, get rid of that old SAN or that old NAS or that old file server and, <clears throat> and let's put it into SharePoint um, and start doing document libraries and team sites and, and things like that. And it's, it's, um, it's more challenging than just migrating email because someone who's opening Outlook and connecting to their mailbox is doing it the same no matter where their mailbox lives. But as soon as you start moving documents and collaborations into SharePoint online, you're changing how they interact with their documents mm. no longer. Not any longer, to- though. There is now a shortcut, Paul. Yeah. Yes, I finally found the dream that's going to change my life with SharePoint. Uh, I was waiting for you to say that uh, when you an Outlook because I'm an Outlook person. They want to attach a file and they don't want to go to the cloud to go get it, right? Yeah. 
So the biggest problem BreakFix techs have had is that disconnect between the desktop and the cloud to get files to sync. Mm -hmm. I've tried successfully once with Windows 7 to map a drive, mm -hmm. and that broke. Microsoft yep. shut that off. Then mm -hmm. by, by accident, I got Windows 10 to sync, and it kept, but not everybody's on Windows 10. So I, I talked to a SharePoint consultant, and he gave me this little, um, I'm going to put it in the show notes too, uh, harmony.ie. And this little sucker, when you install it, you got to connect it to your SharePoint server. Mm. But my God, it is a plugin for Outlook, and you can use it as like a little, um, make sure it's right. Yeah, Harmon, H-O-R-M-O-N dot I-E. And uh, this little product really, I think, is going to absolutely change how I can support and service uh, full Office 365. It, it is awesome. I've been testing it, and they have an affiliate plan. And that's what I care about is that affiliate plan. If it works. I'm just looking at it now. Well, I can show you in my Outlook how it looks. It looks pretty cool. <laughs> and I got it to work. It, it, it works. Just give you like a, uh, yeah, uh, you know what? Let me switch up my calendar here and I will uh I'll do a screen share if you want. You wanna see it? Okay, so there's a plug in. Hold on. Ay ay ay. Let me find my screen. I'm sharing it on first. Oh, hold on. I haven't done a screen share on a video ever, Paul. You'd be the first one. Yeah, I sort of yeah, I see what it does. Yeah. But I like it. Well, you can already. Well, one of the things it's saying, sharing links, you can already do that. With, um... Okay, hold on. Let me share this with you, okay? So see over here? Mm -hmm. These are my testing for, uh, this is my test for the SharePoint. Yep. And so these are all here. And this pops up. And you can actually pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not used to it yet. But uh, anyway, all the. This is all my SharePoint right here. So this is what I've been testing with is attaching them. And uh, you can use a link or you can actually attach the whole document. The link, of course, is for internal. Mm. You know, like when you're internally working with, uh, you know, like your own company. That's the point of that. But that, is, that gives you the desktop option. So I like it so far. And I think my clients are going to like it, too. Oh, well, if it makes it easier, um, yeah. you know, it's anything that removes friction uh, with the user experience and changing to a new way of doing things is, um, is, uh, is good. Um, well, they don't want to pay though. The problem is Paul, they are like, well, I paid $15 a month or 12 bucks. I want it all for nothing. I'm like, well, <laughs> you could be in the cloud for that if you want, but nobody wants to be in the cloud. Well, there's free and there's, yeah. Crap. Uh, now, I get it. They're paying a lot of money, but I'm like, I didn't invent the wheel here. I can only mm. do what I can. And when I talk to folks like you, I feel really comfortable saying there, there is no easy way to share desktop with the cloud without look. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. Look, it's um, like I say, anything that can make it easier. And this is one of those cases where if you, you know, bring an understanding of this solution to that problem, then customers I hope so. yeah well as long as it works yeah well i feel really defeated a lot of times paul when i'm talking to a client and they're like 
they don't really care about the outlook and migration. They mm. sneak around it. So they're like, okay, let's set up a training session. And now let's have SharePoint and OneDrive be the training. I'm like, you didn't talk about that. <laughs> I talked to you on the phone. You wanted calendar sharing with your team and contact yeah. configuration. People get sneaky. A little bit, but, you know, this comes back to that um, helping them with adoption, helping them get the value out of the cloud services that they're buying. Um, no, I know. I don't do proposals, Paul. I spend like 12 minutes on the phone with somebody. I say, give me 600 bucks. I'm going to go do this work for you. And they're like, sold. <laughs> I do small scale stuff. Because <laughs> I have to. I'm a fast person with the help desk I run. Unlike yeah. you, I actually do help desk work. So it, it's my bread and butter. Well, you need, you need churn. Yeah, you need speed. I love it. Yeah. All right, Paul. Well, why don't you, uh, SharePoint was my final like topic here. I hope we hit upon enough for the, the, the listeners to get an understanding of what it's like to be you with your consulting work and anything you well, want to add. No, I, um, uh, nothing, um, in particular, like it's just, um, yeah, it's good to sort of talk a little bit of business and, and, uh, know that, uh, um, it's good to see these communities coming up actually, when you say, you know, these people that you're talking to, you're in communities and you're talking to each other. That's, that's really, I mean, every other industry has it. Why shouldn't we? There's no reason to stay, keep secret, you know, all the lawyers and accountants and no. other business owners are all got friends and they're all helping each other out. Um, even when they're competitors. So, um, yeah, it's great to, to know that there's some good, healthy communities out there for oh, IT yeah. pros and business owners. Yeah. You need to get yourself on Technable and get an account. And there's a huge, um, not a huge, there's there's a few forums I meant to say that I think you would find really engaging because I know you don't do tech support and virus removals, but there's some really neat forums that I think you'll like. Cool. And, uh, why don't you go ahead now and tell us again about your website and your books. And I know that you have that one book with, uh, was it Tony Redmond? I think yep. he's, I've been seeing him all over now. Yep. Tony is the, uh, he's the godfather of, um, of, uh, exchange MVPs. He's been <laughs> 12 years or more, I think. Um, and, and, you know, if you've, if you've read an exchange book, there's a good chance you've read one of his because he's written quite a few and, um, uh, so he and I and uh, another MVP, Michael Van Horenbeek, we teamed up uh, almost two years ago and we wrote uh, our own ebook on Office 365. And it was originally called Office 365 for Exchange Professionals. Um, and the audience we were thinking of was people like ourselves who are trying to, you know, transition to um, the cloud, you know, yeah. their skills to the cloud and, and email being, you know, that's like I said, that low-hanging fruit and what a lot of businesses migrate to first. Um, it seemed like a good audience, but once we, um, once we launched that, we realized that, um, you know, there's so much more that, that uh, needs to be covered obviously as well. And we've just kept adding to the book and keeping it up to date. And, uh, we only recently launched the third edition, which is office 365 for it pros. So we changed the name, mm -hmm. um, to just reflect that broader coverage. Um, so you can get that from exchangeserverpro.com. You can also find it on Amazon if you prefer to, um, to read books on your Kindle. Um, we keep it updated, um, very regularly. Um, so sometimes, um, Tony pushes an updated file, you know, multiple times a week. Nice. Um, so you can always be sure when you buy it, when you buy the third edition, you'll have basically the latest file. Um, as a customer of the third edition, you'll get free updates for that edition for the life of that edition. 
Jeez, um, I do that too with my books. Yeah. Isn't and then, cool? <laughs> you know, in a, in a year's time, um, if uh, so much has changed, because I mean, Microsoft's changing Office 365 at an incredible rate. Like in, I think a year ago, they announced that in a nine month period, they made some 400 changes to the service. Um, so, you know, if there's big new features that we need to cover, we, we might, you know, do a massive overhaul and release a fourth um, edition. And we always give our customers, um, you know, a huge discount to, to upgrade to the latest edition as well. So, um, you know, that's, we think it's the most comprehensive and certainly the most up-to-date Office 365 book uh, for IT pros. So, you know, by all means, check that out. Um, otherwise, yeah, exchangeserverpro.com and I'm launching a new one called practical365.com, which is going to, uh, venture out into the broader Office 365 space as well. Nice. Well, you're very busy. I like it. Very I like busy. it. I've been, I've been trying to follow you guys online. It's challenging. You guys are very <laughs> busy. And I found you on LinkedIn, and then I invited you there, and then I'm seeing other people's stuff. I'm like, isn't it crazy to keep up with the social media today? Just following text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's nuts trying to keep up with the technology. Um and I, I try, like um, I get really excited about all the stuff happening in Azure and the Microsoft Azure cloud and Amazon web services. And it's too much. Like you got to, yeah, at some point you've got to pick, um, you know, what you can follow and specialize in. And in my case, it's Office 365 and exchange and uh, um, everything else has to go on the back burner for now. And uh, yeah. <laughs> You know what? I just finished those videos, Paul, because it's been on my plate for two years. Mm. I wanted to create what I would call the outlook training videos for people who have uh, ADHD. (laughs) Honestly, they want a five minute video. So I gave them nine short videos Yep. and I talk, I'll talk at this level, like I'm talking right now. So the fast people will get it and the slow people can slow down and rewind. Yep. I was like, Perfect. and I, I did, I think I'm a song for like 50 bucks and just, mm-hmm. you know, they're all online and it's been a project I want to get done. And I'm like, it, it, it really t- it took a long time. That's perfect. Well, that's what people want. They want minimum time spent to learn, pardon me, the maximum amount. And no one wants to watch more than a five or 10 minute video in a single sitting anyway. So. No, and that's why I wouldn't. Except for, except for this one. This is obviously a much longer video that I'll enjoy watching. Yes. Well, this one we're going to probably send away to a lot of people to watch. But the point is, is I think what I was getting at is that I was starting the marketing for this video. Mm-hmm. And I was on social media going, oh, my God, there's so many outlets to sell this and to find the right people and the message and all that stuff. And sorry, that's where I was going with that is it's just there's so many. Yeah. Groups, yeah. This and that and everything else. Well, Paul, I thank you for coming on. Uh, if you got anything final you want to say, and then I'll get your links for the notes after we're done here. Uh, no, it's been my pleasure. Happy to, well, to come on today. And, um, you know, people know where to find me. I'm, I'm on Twitter as well. And, you know, that's um, there are all my listening posts for, for questions and, and things like that. So um, uh, always happy to help people out when they've got exchange problems, Office 365 problems. Oh, yeah. Uh, Check out the site. Exchange. Excuse me, I just had it here. ExchangeServerPro.com. They have a free newsletter sign up, and I think you got like 20,000 people on your list. Yeah, something like that. I should update that number. It's around that, yeah, yeah. Impressive, friend. Yeah, but you've been blogging for eight years, so that's, that's awesome, though. 
All right, gang. Well, that's it. I'm going to close up the show there. Thank you, Paul, for being on. And like I said, I'll get all my notes. Uh, this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. Thank you again to our sponsor, App River and Podbean for hosting. If you have a story you'd like to share or want to be a guest on the show, please contact me, Lisa, at callthatgirl.biz. Thanks, gang. See you next time.